Attention. Attention detail. Listen up and lead well. You're a VIP, giving you what you need to succeed. Be best you can in your own company. Attention detail one by one, step by step to get the job done. Pops are gonna break it down to you. I ask questions, get the show started further. Attention detail. Hello and welcome to another episode of Attention to Detail with Eric Bird. Moving your brand forward as artists, leaders, and influencers. I'm your host, Jason Bird. Today's episode, five details on how to engage in racial reconciliation. This show is sponsored by VIP Consulting, leadership done well. VIP trains leaders in the skills they'll need to take their organization to the next level. Vision casting, conflict resolution, staff and volunteer management, and more. VIP Consulting helps clients create an action plan and works alongside you to execute it. Experience what faith-based institutions, individuals, and organizations have come to learn. VIP Consulting gives you the VIP treatment. Go to ericbird.com for more information. And now, here's my dad, Eric Bird. Hello, everyone. So, as we tape this, cities are on fire. Communities all over the world, literally, are in the streets. Hearts are broken, and some have even unfortunately lost their lives. So they have become victims of what have become a far too common aspect of this American life, which is living and unfortunately sometimes dying while black. So um, today we're going to be talking about details on how to engage in racial reconciliation. Now, one of the reasons why... um, we do this podcast is so not so that the podcast and the information of the podcast is, you know, your one stop shop for how to get something done. It's simply to whet the appetite, W H E T the appetite. um, So that way you can do a, a deeper dive into the subject matter. So whatever we're talking about or whatever interview that we do, um, we do these things in the hopes that you will, Hear something, you'll go, ooh, I want to get a little bit deeper into that. And then you do some scholarship on your own and figure out what's going on. Um, And you can maybe, you know, just dig a little deeper and figure out how you want to do things for yourself. So if I could solve racial reconciliation in a 20 or 25 minute podcast, um, I wouldn't be here. I would probably somewhere on my own island, somewhere... um, you know, playing with large pieces of chess, playing a chess game or something. I don't know. Maybe eating lobster and crab every day. So we're going to try to just have a conversation about how to engage in some of these difficult conversations and how I hear a lot of people that say, you know, I want to do something. I want to be a part of the solution. I don't want to be a part of the problem, but I just don't know um, how to do that. So This hopefully will get us started on that conversation. But I wanted to ask you a couple of questions, Jason. Um, Now, you're still in high school. Um, I'm wondering how you feel. I've been getting a lot of texts from some friends of mine that ask me about my kids. How are you feeling about just what you're experiencing in the world today? Are you anxious? Are you scared? Are you nervous? Like what 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 is your feeling about what you're what you're seeing? Um. I mean, it could be tough because a lot of uh, a lot of these things that happen can be uh, the ages kind of range from uh, older men or women to kids my age. 
Um, it doesn't necessarily give me anxiety. It's more just uh, learning how to deal with these situations, how you can best prepare yourself um, kind of mentally in a sense that way because you know um, at some point or another while being black that you can get pulled over um, by a police officer and you could or could not be uh, harassed by said cop so you don't really know what's going to happen it's more just kind of knowing you know knowing like how you can handle the situation uh, best as possible so at one point at what point in your life did you realize that you were let me rephrase that at what point in your life did you realize that there were going to be people that looked at you differently simply because of the color of your skin at some point we all all of us that uh, are of color um, there might be and it doesn't have to be like maybe a major or a negative thing but Something ha- something happens maybe to make you go, okay, if my white friends were in the same situation, this might not even be a thing at all. But I'm recognizing, like, was it a Trayvon Martin situation or was it something you saw, something else you saw on the news? Was there anything that happened in your life that you go, okay, I'm going to have to actually pay attention to this because I'm black? Um, I've always... Well, you've shown us, like, a lot of uh, stuff about, like, MLK and civil rights stuff since we were, like, little. But the main turning point was probably sixth grade with Freddie Gray. Okay. Um, Just because it was, like, he was fairly younger. I kind of yeah. forget what age exactly he was. But he was a younger kid. Um, Situation was just kind of escalated and just kind of showed me, like, how unnecessary, like, how the whole situation just could have been avoided. And then I kind of looked back on Trayvon's situation, and then I kind of realized, like, especially throughout middle school, um, more stuff like that started happening. Um, I kind of realized, like, the differences that people were getting treated purely because they were black. Um, And, yeah, it was just mainly that. Okay, so it was some similar situations that are what we're going through now. Mm -hmm. So, okay, so again, I get a lot of communication um, from peers and friends wondering how they can be a part of the solution and not the problem. Um, This is a lifelong learning process, but here are some small but I think effective details that I would encourage us all to engage in to try to foster some racial reconciliatory behavior. So, Jason, what's number one? All right, so number one is take a deep breath. Yeah, so um, just for the sense of time, for the sake of time, rather, um, I'm just going to use the terms black and white. I'm just going to say white people, black people. I think we're all big enough, bad enough to kind of just be okay with that. I'm not going to go like Euro-American people, you know, people from Sweden. I'm just going to say white folk, okay, white people, black people. Okay, if the good Lord wanted us all to be the same, I'm assuming he would have made us all the same. So I think it's really important that we all to take white people. It might be in your best interest to just take a deep breath. And as a Jan Van Zandt Zandt might say, you might just need to just sit in the following colon. You are the benefits of white privilege. Now, I know that that is uncomfortable. I know that's difficult to acknowledge. 
I know that that is unsettling. And I know that some of you that are white, you may want to rage against that and say, well, I've never owned slaves. I don't see racism. I don't see color. I see everybody as being equal. I think what we need to first do is that we cannot fix anything we don't acknowledge. We have to acknowledge that in this America, there are at least two very different experiences. There are there there's the experience of those that have. And then there's the experience of those that do not have. And so in this conversation, in this context, I'm going to put that in a black and white kind of thing. So it's like uh, your mother was saying just today, it's like we didn't start the fire, but that fire is still burning. We are still dealing with America's original sin, which is racism. Um, so if you're white and you get defensive about even acknowledging that the fire is still burning, we can't have a conversation about it because you're already coming into it with an energy of defensiveness. You understand what I'm saying? So what, so what I think might be helpful is that, first of all, you have to take a deep breath and just recognize that everybody doesn't have your experience. And because everybody doesn't have your experience, that means that you are obligated, I think we are obligated as American citizens to understand the experiences of other people. Does that make sense? It's like... To me, I don't want to live in a world where the only experiences that I care about are the experiences that I validate, which means that if I don't see it, it doesn't happen. Now, as we tape this, we're in my son's bedroom. Um, we have a nice house. Praise God. We're blessed with a nice house. We're blessed with we have multiple people in the house Uh that have their own bedrooms. We have a basement. We have a piano. We have a lot of things that are blessed. I only say that to say that it was just a generation ago. It was just a generation ago where that your mother, who's white, and me being black, where that was illegal in the 1960s in some states. Interracial marriage was illegal. Your grandfather, my father, God rest his soul, grew up in Birmingham, Alabama, which he called Birmingham, Alabama, where uh, Birmingham was so um, racist and so violent against black people that when my father left Birmingham at the age of 17 or 18, he never went back and he died at 84. Never went back. In fact, my father would make the joke that if he died, do not send him back to Alabama. Do not go to any family reunion. Don't talk to anybody that claims to be a relative of theirs. That's the scar of what racism does to people. So there are people. So I was raised with that kind of a worldview that, yes, it's great. We're not back there, but this is still in the rearview mirror. And every time we have a George Floyd situation, it just picks at the scab of what's always been there. And if we don't acknowledge that the fire is still smoldering, that the scab is still there, we don't take a deep breath and acknowledge that 
we can't fix it because now I have to deal with you feeling some kind of way about something that's always been there. Am I making any kind of sense at all, son? Does that make sense at all? It's like, if we don't acknowledge that it's there, it's kind of like if you've been traumatized at some point in your life, if God forbid you were thrown off the roof of a building at the age of five, and every time we go to a hotel and our and our room is on the 30th floor, you're going to have some anxiety about being that high off the ground. And if I totally don't acknowledge the fact that I threw you off the roof of a building when you were five, by the way, I did not. I don't. I did not. Tell the people I didn't. I, did not. I didn't throw you off the roof. It's an analogy. It's an analogy, folks. It's an analogy, people. Mm-hmm. You're going to have that scar. You're going to have that that thing in the back of your mind that makes you anxious so we've got to understand white people we need you we need you to acknowledge that we live in an unequal america that the criminal injustice system is real that the central park five that's a real life story story that a khalif browder god rest his soul that stuff happens every day so we have to acknowledge that it's not the same. I think I beat that horse well enough. What's number two? Seek a different perspective than yours. Um, I love Judge Judy, uh, and this is a Judge Judyism. You have two ears and one mouth for a reason. Listen more than you talk. Try not to be defensive. Try not to be argumentative. Don't assume that the other person is 100% correct, but there are 100%, they are 100% entitled to their experiences. So be an interviewer, ask questions, be inquisitive. Don't seek to fix or solve or find solutions, but seek to hear. So if you're white and you live in a white neighborhood and you're surrounded by, let's just call it whiteness, okay, the vanilla suburbs, But let's say that you have a relationship with someone of color. Um, You go to church with them. They live maybe in your neighborhood. They're friends of your kids because you play on the same basketball team. Broach them with respect and with um, empathy and say, hey, I'm deeply concerned with what I'm seeing that's happening in our cities. I'm torn up about it. I'm upset about it. I feel badly that my kid has a different set of circumstances to deal with than your kid has to deal with. You want to just, you know, the pandemic is starting to open up. You want to just like social distance, sit in the backyard and just talk about your experience. Like how do you feel when you get into a car? What goes through your mind when um, you walk into a store? Um, You know, what, how can you help educate me so that I'm aware of just the world that we live in. Again, I think part of getting to reconciliation racially is to at least acknowledge that there is some work to reconcile. You know what I'm saying? Like, Mm. Like if we think that everything is cool, there's nothing to reconcile, there's nothing to talk about. There's nothing to fix. There's nothing to fix. You know what I'm saying? Um, So seek a a perspective that's different than yours. Find somebody that you can talk to. All right? Let's go to number three. Have conversations within your comfort zone. Okay. So you go outside your comfort zone to gain perspective. Now that you have that perspective, now here's where you can actually do some work. Go have dinner with your family. Sit down to the dinner table and say, check it out. I just had a conversation with fill in the blank. And do you know that they feel like A, B, and C? Or do you know that they feel like 
or they looked at this situation and they thought DEF or this elected official said this and I felt one way about it, but they felt a completely different way about it. What do you feel about that? Talk with your family, your peers, your church groups and repeat steps one and two with them. If you're going to church and you're surrounded by a bunch of people that look exactly like you, is that because you've created an environment where people that don't look like you don't feel welcome? Ask that question. How come there aren't others, and I'm making air quotes, how come there aren't others that go to our church? How come there aren't others that we interact with? People won't care what you know until they know that you care. People don't care what you know until they know that you care. So if you already have relationships with people that know your heart and they know your motivation, they know that you're coming from a good place, they may respond with, with sincerity and not defensiveness. So you could be a catalyst for change because you're talking to people that know your motivation, right? So go back to your peer group, your book club, your church community, your faith community and say, Hey, you guys, how do you guys feel about what's going on in the world and how can we be a part of the solution? How can we solve this? What do you think we can do to make this better? All right. Number four, son. Resource yourself. So when we post this, um, when we post our podcast and you all know that every Monday we come out with a new episode um, that hopefully will um, undergird resource leaders and creatives and influencers to change the world. Um, we will, I will post uh, some information that I got online. And so that's a way more comprehensive list of resources and stuff that we can do. But uh, just real briefly, you know, watch a movie, watch Selma, uh, watch the 13th amendment movie that uh, Miss Ava did on Netflix. We're going to do that as a family um, sometime this week, hopefully. Um, remember the book club we did last summer? Mm -hmm. Did you ever finish that book, by the way? Did yeah, you, actually, yeah, you did? Okay, it. Ghost Boys, you read it? Yep. Okay. Um, there's a very good book, age-appropriate book. It won an award. I don't want to misspeak the award. It may have been a Caldecott Award winner. I don't remember. But anyway, um, there's a wonderful book called Ghost Boys that's middle school age-appropriate. Um, I'm going to start a book club on uh, a book called White Fragility by... PhD, uh, Dr. Robin D'Angelo, you know, all of us have access to more information than we've ever had in any point in world history, yet we remain more ignorant than we ever have. Remember that education is lifelong. So just because you read a book once or just because your church did something for MLK weekend, it's a lifelong, it's a learning process. So let's continue to educate ourselves, to resource ourselves and create safe spaces where you can have conversations and you don't have to 100% agree with everything, but you could at least say, okay, I understand why you feel that way. I may not agree with everything that you're saying, right. but um, I understand why you feel that way. Um, to bring it full circle, I talked to your brothers and the 12 year old said, I don't, I'm against rioting. I don't think we should riot because rioting is bad. I don't think Martin King would want us to riot. I don't think we should be rioting. You know what your 14-year-old brother said? Mm. He said, I get it. I totally get it. I'm not saying I would do it, and I'm not encouraging people to do it, but yeah, I get it. I totally understand why somebody would want to burn it to the ground. I totally understand it. I'm torn. I understand both sides. 
I understand the rage of not being heard. Let me um, get on a soapbox just for a minute. Did you see um, Roger Goodell in the NFL that they put something out? A statement? I saw that. Did you see that? I saw what was what made me laugh is that I saw some comment over top of it, like a retweet comment. And they posted Colin Kaepernick, like the NFL is not right. allowing you to kneel. They're like, this still you? Right, right. And it was just interesting because they, this was part of the spark. That's like part of the yes. spark. Yes, yes. It's just interesting to me that they chose. Right. To sh- Like it's a good thing that they put that out. Sure, right. And where was that like a year and a half? Yes, right. That's the problem. Right. Or two years ago, however. When it was 2017 or whatever it was. But, yeah, it's like, you know, I don't want to get into a thing with Kaepernick and the flag because that wasn't his issue. I'm just making the point that I think it's interesting. I I just I just white America can be interesting to me. It's like we we don't mind you protesting, but you have to make sure that you protest in a way that's okay with me. Right. And I'm also like, well, name a protest that was okay with the people that worked. I can't. Like, name a time when we as a people decided to protest and giving everybody a chocolate chip cookie worked or giving everybody $5 worked. Usually, I mean, who am I? I'm just I'm just a guy. But usually for protests to be effective, it usually has to be uncomfortable. It usually stresses the economics or it usually stresses our way of life in some way. Dr. King went to jail over 30 times. He had to break the law. So it's just funny to me that in this in this example, we're talking about how the NFL will say, yeah, we are totally for the right to nonviolent protest. But you had a player that was nonviolently protesting and you blackballed him from the league and took away his ability to take care of his family. Like that's you know, that's that's what we're talking about. And going back to really quick, though, resource yourself. Another great film, great film by Ryan Coogler, who made Black Panther and Creed. Fruitvale Station. Oh, I didn't know he did that yep, movie. Yep, he did that one. That was what put him... That's what That put started. him on the map, yep. yeah. And that's obviously about... Uh, I don't want to miss... But Oscar, Oscar Grant. Grant. Oscar Grant. Oscar Grant. If you don't know that, uh, research it, look it up. It's a great story. Yeah. But it also goes along with that same kind of correlation of where that... Um, where, the, where the anger yeah. from all these riots kind of started. Because I was uh, early on in... You know, I don't even remember the year of that. I mean, I, I, I saw the movie. I remember when the Oscar Grant thing happened, and then I saw the movie, and I that wrecked me. I It just, I don't, it, it just wrecked, maybe because, you know, like you knew he had a daughter, but it just wrecked me. It just wrecked me that, like, in an instant, your life can be over, right. and there's no real retribution for that. You know, it's just, it's just a shame. What's number five, son? Be intolerant. Be intolerant. Wherever and whenever injustice raises up its ugly head, call it out immediately. Don't tell jokes. Don't find memes funny. Don't let stuff slide. Like the only reason why evil exists is because good people remain silent. What's that Dr. King quote? It's like, in the end, we will remember the silence from our friends. Mm. We won't just we won't just remember the evil perpetrated against us but we'll remember that our boys kept us were quiet you're supposed to have a back and you were quiet call it out that's what letter to birmingham jail 1963 you sort of read that almost yeah that's what that to me is is a lot about you have to just call it out whenever it exists be intolerant don't let that stuff slide when people are talking on the playground on the basketball court 
on Facebook pages, on your Twitter feed, like call that stuff out. I went from, you know, I just can't take it anymore. So I'm just not going to say anything. And then I went from, you know what? No, I'm going to speak every time somebody say something stupid. Right. I'm <laughs> like, or as they say in our neighborhood, you going to get at me. I'm going to have to clap back at you. I'm going to give wow. you all of that. But see, that's to say I went into a whole other favorite thing from the uh, letter from Birmingham jail is when MLK says, he talks about double standards. He refers to the Supreme Court case in, uh, I think it was 54. Okay. Um, and he says, why are, he basically calls out double standards. He said, why are, why are some laws followed or why are some laws carried out and unjust ones are carried out, but the just laws mm. are not carried out. Right. Referring to the just laws in, you know, voting for black people. Sure. Stuff like that. And then the unjust laws of, well, there's there's separate. There's there's the stuff behind like you can vote, but you got to go through A, B, C, D just right. to be able to do it. And right. that kind of goes along with uh, calling that out. Oh, that's my that's my baby boy. Mm-hmm. So smart. Ready to take on the world. Let's recap, son. What's uh, what's number one? Number one, take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. OK, we got it. We can't fix what we don't acknowledge people. Number two. Uh, seek a different perspective than yours. Yeah, go talk to people that are already in your circle, within your sphere of influence, and talk to them about their perspective. Three, have conversations within your comfort zone. So once you go outside your comfort zone to talk to somebody, take that conversation within your comfort zone with people that know you and love you, know your intention, and talk to them about what you found out. Four, make sure to resource yourself. So there's movies, there are documentaries, there are books, there are podcasts there are all kinds of ways that you can resource yourself and number five be intolerant be intolerant don't let stuff slide okay all right thanks dad and thank you for listening to attention to detail we'll be uploading new podcasts every week usually on mondays and you should be able to find us wherever you get your podcasts write a review and like us you can also follow our sponsor, VIP Consulting at EricBird.com, my dad's trio at EricBirdTrio.com. This content will be uploaded to the EricBird Trio YouTube page, and show notes can be found at EricBird.com backslash blog, where you can also follow the show on the VIP Consulting Twitter and Facebook pages. What's the last detail you want to leave our listeners with, Dad? Leaders, creatives, and influencers, you have the opportunity to change the world by being open to folks not like you. The goal is not to ignore color or race. The goal is to celebrate the differences we all bring to the table. Nothing is more patriotic, more American, more human than to intentionally love and respect your neighbor. The sooner we do this, maybe we can save our nation. Thank you again for listening to Attention to Detail with Eric Bird, moving your brand forward as artists, leaders, and influencers. I'm Jason Bird. Till next time. Attention 